Thank you, Brendan. I just want to put this stuff down here so it's not in my pockets and in the way. Um, thank you, worship team. That was fantastic. You know, when God starts moving in the worship, you, you're like, where do you, you kind of like, where do you cut it and you start, you know, we've got to go to the word, you know, but uh, um, I'd like to pick up where I think we got left off in the worship. Um, but I'll start with a story. So in 2003, there was a guy by the name of Merv Grzynski in Oklahoma, America. Okay, he went to a dealership that sells motorhomes, Winnebago's, if, for those of you who know what those are. It's a giant motorhome. He bought a brand new motorhome, and on his way home, uh, he put the vehicle on cruise control, and he went to the back of the vehicle to make a cup of coffee. Today, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. You know, you've got all these cars that can cruise control and drive, you know, the Tesla and all those things. But this was 2003. That's, that's 20 years ago. Um, needless to say, the vehicle crashed. And Merv decided to sue the Winnebago company um, because, you know, he put the vehicle on cruise control and didn't drive by itself. He won the case. And he was awarded $1.7 million in 2003. Um, the Winnebago company had to change their owner's manual um, to have that you can't make coffee while driving. It's not a good idea. Um, it's a landmark case in the U.S. It was like the first of the really dumb court cases, you know what I mean? Um, the one article, the one, the one news article actually refers to the, the Winnebago company had to change their manual so that other morons didn't try this, <laughs> you know. Um, and like the world was shocked. Uh, I don't know if anyone has heard that story before. I've heard it before, and it just reminded me of, of my preach today. Um, <laughs> don't be a moron. Thanks for coming. There's coffee at the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so. Um, Last week, Andrew preached on um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and uh, at some point, I would, there was there was worry that he would take some of the stuff that I was going to say, but fortunately, he didn't. Um, but he did drop a, a little point, which I've added to my my my, my, my preach this morning, and um, and it was self control uh, was one of the the fruits of the Spirit. So the the title of my sermon this morning is "Have You Got Your Hands." on the steering wheel of your life. Are you on cruise control or your hands actively on the wheel? Okay. And uh, if we go to Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, I'll just kind of pick up where Andrew was speaking about the fruits of the Spirit, and you can kind of see. Um, so it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, so there is no such law. Um, and actually, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit um, are all Christian character-developing properties. So if you are a developed Christian, your character is, uh, has been developed by, by God, those are the, the kind of fruits that you're going to display as you've grown in the Lord. And the, the first three kind of refer to um, your attitude towards God, love, joy, peace, the second three are kind of your social relationships, so patience, kindness, goodness. You know, that's, that's how you interact socially with the world. You know, remember, these characters are characters of Jesus, and these are the things you're going to reflect. 
And the last three are Christian conduct, gentleness, self-control, and faithfulness. Um, and uh, today I want to speak about self-control. I think that self-control is the single fruit that underpins everything in your life. If you get self-control right, you get everything right. It's kind of like one of the root ones, you know. If you get that right, you do things right. Um, and we see through the Bible that God is more interested in your character than works. He's, he's, he's here to grow your character in time. That's why we talk about like he's be like Jesus, you know. You would be like Jesus. What are, you, what are you trying to be like? Well, his character, his nature. Okay. So I want to compare self-control to the steering wheel of your life. You know, when you've got self-control, you've got your hand on the steering wheel and you're steering it in the right direction. Okay. You're making pre-decisions before the decision. That makes sense. You're deciding to not sin before you sin. That's self-control. Um, you know, you can take self-control right into like, well, if you're on diet, you eat salad and not biscuits, you know. Um, that's self-control. You've decided to not do that. So when you're walking past the pantry, you take the steering wheel and you walk right past out into the back garden. Don't go into the pantry, you know. Um, so the point is when you – and, and, and if, if self-control is the fundamental thing that you want to – achieve in life, um, and you want to steer well in life, you know, you, it's, it, there's almost like a, a positive thing that you're doing. You're being intentional about how you're going to steer and guide your life. And um, at work, we've got, a, we've got a saying, hope is not a strategy. So you can't hope that things will get better. You can't hope that something's going to happen. You actually have to do something. You know, you have to actively participate. Um, a simple example is I'm here. And I want to be there. I wish I, I wish I could be there. That's, you know, if only I could be, you know, muscular, or, you know, if only I can be a, a better cyclist. If only I could be thinner. If only I could have a better career or better job. You know, oh, I really hope that that would happen. You know, that can you hear? That there's something wrong. So what is the plan? Well, I want a better career. Well, let me go study what I'm going to do because I need to educate myself. Um, so I go and study, and I study to be an accountant. And then I get my first job, and I, I'm an apprentice, and I learn a little bit about there, and I grow. And what's my plan? Well, in five years from now, I'd love to actually meet someone and get married. Well, you need some money to get married. So, okay, let's let's get a job. Let's Let's make myself more attractive because you know no one wants to marry someone who's hopes that they can be accountant but they've done nothing about it you know so 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 when you are exercising self-control you've you've got a strategy when you start this and self-control can refer to two parts in your life there's a physical component of your life which i've just spoken about where you know if i've got a career i want to get married i want to buy a house or you know those are those are physical things um, or things of the world, but you still need to be quite clever about how you go about doing those, you know, because you can also do those wrong. Um, you know, you can never become accountant because something, when you're studying, leads you astray and you don't finish your studies. You know, so, so self-control operates not only in how you're trying to achieve things in life, but it actually operates also in the spiritual. And there it kind of like operates around 
you know, callings of God, um, convictions of the Holy Spirit, sort of both directional for you, but also convictions to holiness and sin in your life, you know. So, so it kind of self-control is a characteristic that you have that you apply not only in your actual life that's happening right now, but actually in your spiritual life. You need to exercise this characteristic in, in both places. And I think if we reflect on the statement about having your hands on the wheel, I think that all of us have times when a hand is on the wheel and there's times when we're on cruise control. And you'll know when you've been on cruise control. You know, you've, you've like, oh. and I, I, I kind of want to use the analogy that, you know, if you're on the highway at 120 k's an hour, and if you're starting to fall asleep and you're on cruise control, kind of like the first thing that kind of gets you is, well, those little cat eyes on the side, they start to hit your tire, like, 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 oh. Oh, that was close. I, must, I better stop. My car's got this thing where you put this lane assist thing on, and uh, if it, it it can pick up a line, so it sees the yellow line, and the steering wheel actually vibrates a little bit. Now that's like a first warning for you, you know, like the steering wheel's vibrating. Um, oh, oh, I'm on, I'm on cruise control. Yeah, I better correct. I better just get myself back in the middle of the lane. You know, um, sometimes you can go beyond the line. And then it gets a little bit rougher. <laughs> You've got one wheel off the road. Um, then you don't need the special tools. The, the wheel's literally vibrating because it's off the road. Um, and sometimes you wake up and you're not on the road. Like the road is just not in front of you. It's like, you know, you've got street signs. You've got fences. You've got cows. You've got things that are, are coming at you at 120 kilometers an hour. If you'd exercise self-control, you'd, you know, you'd, you're not in the damage control place anymore. You know, you know, you would, uh, that's damage control. Now you're fighting for survival. Am I going to die or am I going to make it when you're off the road? You know, so you, can you see how self-control kind of like gives you early warnings? Oh, hold on, I better stay in the middle of the road. So the point is when you, when you, when you don't listen to the, the first parts of self-control, you know, it starts with little things. So, so I remember when, when Cindy and I were raising our boys, um, and they were exceptionally good boys. It's just good parenting. It's just good parenting. I remember us going somewhere, and then, like, our kids were naughty. And we were embarrassed, you know, because we were now out, and yes, like, these guys are barbarians, you know, and they're running around the walls and the roof and, you know, and and we were like so upset with them. They wanted to like discipline them. And then, you know, you realize that's that's actually not fair to discipline your children at someone else's house when they actually can behave that way at your own house. You know what I mean? So you actually haven't done the the homework up front. You haven't developed character there. You've taken them out, and now you want to discipline your kids because they're embarrassing you. Actually, um, we had a dog that we also. That's how we learned how to raise our kids. We had. <laughs> Took a dog for training. We had we had a dog that was terrible. Like we bring that you know at home the dog could just run a mock, and then you know people would come visit and the dog would like run mud all over the people. We're like oh so embarrassing. So we took our dog for training. We learned so much through that. So you know it's close, but it's it's similar. You know, um, you know, and it's a little bit like that. You do, if you don't address sin in your life, you know, it starts with little things. You know, it's, there's there's no. Coincidence that God doesn't refer um, sin to yeast. So it's interesting. Yeast, I don't know if you've ever made any dough. Like, I mean, it's a little sachet this big, right? 
you put it in there and it doesn't immediately expand. Poof, and you've got a giant piece of dough. You leave it for hours and you come back and it's four or five times the size. How did that happen? You know? And God refers to sin as yeast. So sin always starts small. You know, you start with little things. Um, and then little things always lead to big things when it comes to sin. If you don't pull that back, if you don't put your hand in the steering wheel and pull that back, it, it, it leads to big things, you know. So um, the example that I, that I thought of is, you know, you start with, you know, cheating your finances slightly. You know, you um, something that's always, that, that's tested me, in, you know, in, when, when I started earning money and, you know, you've got to pay tax, so you've got to fill out a tax return. You know, there's tax avoidance and there's tax evasion, you know. So if you've got a good accountant, they'll show you what, how to pay tax and not pay tax. But the line is so fine between avoiding tax and evading tax. So you start with a little thing. It's not a lot. I mean, it's just a little tax evasion. But when the tax man finds you, then it's big. It's really big. Because he takes that stuff kind of seriously, you know. So, just by the way, I haven't had any tax evasion problems. But it's a principle I've applied in my life that if I honor God with money, he will, he will honor me. I'm, like, I'm building character. I'm building character around how I do finance here on this planet. Um, and the danger is normally when little sins have become big sins, you damage yourself and you damage everyone around you. You know, so an example, if you... If I had cheated on my tax for a long time, eventually tax me and says, listen, by the way, you owe us millions. You know, we've done a recon, and what you thought was avoidance, or maybe not, is actually evasion. And now, actually, to pay that back, and, you know, like I don't know if anyone's ever been in trouble with the tax man. I got into trouble once with tax man. I'll tell you a story. Um, they, it's instant, hey? You, you pay me now. So then what? Do we sell your house? Families on the street. I mean, it can be huge. You know, I'm using the example. The example I want to use is we uh, we had a friend, and we 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 we, uh, we knew an estate agent in Langebaan, and we recommended this friend to actually um, buy a property. So the agent said that they pay Cindy a finder's commission, it's like two hundred bucks or something. Two thousand? What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it was two thousand, and. Uh, they paid it to Cindy, but the thing is, Cindy and I have a joint account. So Cindy gave them the bank details, and they paid her the finance thing. And then they, like five, ten years later, I get a phone call from the, from SARS, and then actually like, hey, I need what is this amount? I don't remember the amount, and I remember the gravity of like, man, I'm in so much trouble here. This is big. I'm in big trouble here, and it was. I mean, they somehow figured out. They did an audit of this estate agency in Langebon and. They were like, okay, it went into my account. Why didn't I declare that income for 2,000 rand? And then you realize, yo, how serious this can be. So, you know, sin progresses. It's like yeast. It's there. It's warm. And uh, Cindy was giving me, I was, I was running stuff by Cindy this morning. Yeast is interesting. You can, you can slow yeast down or you can speed yeast up. You know, even if you put it in the fridge, you know, it doesn't expand as much because it's cold, but it's still expanding still there. You can't stop yeast from growing. You know, so you can't stop sin from growing. So the point is you've got to, you've got to avoid that sin. I'm at that place now where I'm so far into my notes that I can't remember where to pick it up from now. So the point is that our father um, 
values a tested character. There's a scripture that talks about in Revelations 2, verse 9 and 11. It says, uh, so Do not be afraid of what... I'm just going to read from, ele- from uh, 10. So it says, Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I'll tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of that, and I'll give you a crown of life. If you can click on to the next one. He who has an ear, let him hear. Let him... What the Spirit says to the churches, he who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. The point I want to say here is, um, it's interesting, when I was going through this scripture, I've got one of these Spirit-filled life Bibles, so it's got tons of extra notes. And, um, you know, when it says in the last days you'll be tested for your faith, um, I always thought this was like, well, you know, someone's going to bust through the door here now with AK-47s and put a gun to my head and say, you know, renounce Jesus or, you know, you will die. Um, and uh, I thought, well, that's that's good. I mean, I'm in South Africa. That's not likely that would happen. I mean, I remember years back, some sometimes that that happened at St. James Church. But, you know, like you, you kind of always put that out of your head. Like this is, I'm going to be tested for my faith, you know. And we, we like to to almost... Make a little bit of distance from us, you know. Um, but when I read these little notes in the, in the Spiritful Life Bible, it actually talks about that testing your faith is not like, you know, AK-47 to the head. It's, I asked you to do something, but you didn't do it. I asked you to do this, but you didn't do it. You know, in this space here, you know, you were supposed to follow my commandments, but you didn't do it. And God values a tested character. So through life, we're going to have tests. The tests are sin or don't sin. Um, And self-control is the underpinning character that helps us through that testing. Um, Just to turn that on its end, God's not saying, I'm going to put all these things in front of you to test you. Life tests us without God sees how you perform based on how these things are thrown at you. What choices are you going to make um, daily, you know, to not break what he asks us to do, you know? And it's kind of like what you do when you parent, right? I mean, you, you, well, Cindy and I have said when, when, you know, when we've raised our boys, we've kind of raised them to leave, you know? Every day, there's a little bit that you let go. Um, on day one, look, I'd like them to leave, but not, not like that, you know? <laughs> Um, every day you're entrusting them with a little bit more, can, you know, so that they can leave. You know, if if I still treated them like they were three, that would be terrible. They would never leave. But, you know, so, I mean, it starts with, well, I'm going to let you go after some friends on your own. And I'm going to trust that you're going to behave. I'm going to trust that you're not going to get up into any nonsense, you know. Um, and what am I doing? I'm testing that they are okay to make it through life. You know, because when you're young, you're not okay to make it through life. You you don't, sometimes don't have barriers, boundaries, wisdom, you know, which is okay. It, that's normal. It's part of growing up, you know. So, so to qualify, every day we're teaching them how to leave and be on their own feet. And you're letting go a little bit more. You're giving more over for them to, to do that. And that's kind of like what God's doing. He's like, Every day I asked you to do this, but you and you and you doing it. You know, he's testing our character. So testing isn't about the AK forty seven. The testing is like, hey, 
If you love me, you keep my commandments. I have skipped a few points. So, maybe we jump back to, have you ever thought of who's in the car with you? So you're doing 120 k's and now your hands off the wheel, you've fallen asleep. The fallout, if you don't exercise self-control, is damage to people around you. I mean, there's terrible stories of people who've had accidents and lost other people in the car and they've made it. Imagine the, the, the guilt of, of that. Um, and in life, little things like where you do stuff, you damage other people around you. God holds us to account for that too, you know. So that's why he's... It's this the self control thing is is keep yourself in the lane. Don't ever leave the lane. If you don't leave the lane, you're gonna have a healthy and prosperous life. Stuff stuff will happen. God you know, like life throws things at you, but you're gonna stay in the lane. So when you leave the lane, that's when the trouble starts. And you know, all of us have left the lane at some point in our life and known, like, wow, if I wasn't off this road now, life would be so much easier. Okay. So Let's take a look at John 14, verse 15 to 16. Maybe just one more point before I go there, but you can keep that up. Is, you know, when we've got someone else in the, in the vehicle with us, you know, you, you may not realize it now. And I think the point I was trying to make is that actually there's always someone else in the vehicle with you in, in your life. There's always people around you. There's always relationships around you. And, um, you know, you can be very, very selfish if you think that there aren't people around you that you're going to damage and hurt if you don't keep yourself in the lane. Um, and, uh, you know, we used to, Cindy and I, years back, were involved with actually a lot of drug addicts that got saved. And, you know, in that time, wow, that got loud. Um you know, we, we, we thought then that the most selfish person in the world was a, was a drug addict, you know. And a drug addict is, is only interested in, in getting something out of you so that they can continue with drugs, you know. It's, it's because the addiction is so strong that, you know, I need money, I need something out of you so that I can just get, get to my next space, you know. And there's so much in that, you know, that I'm, I can take things from other people just so that I can exist and live, you know. And, and you know, that was, when we were involved with these drug addicts, it was 15, 20 years ago. And it was, it, it was a horrible time to see someone that dependent on, on, on something. But it also was a terrible time because you never really trusted that person, ever. You couldn't trust the person. Um, and I think that exists even today because addiction is not only about a substance. Addiction can be to yourself. Addiction can be to social media. You know, addiction is something that kind of almost makes you self-centered on anything, you know. And I think if you think of where our society is going today, I mean, it's everyone is almost a little bit self-centered. You know, if you, you just need to go on to like Melkbo Stranders to see raw human behavior um, not a good place to go. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. But the point here is, we are we we are actually living in a self-generation, and 
if we develop self-control and develop the characteristics of self-control, it's counter to, you know, I'm going to not do this because I will impact others around me. Um, and, uh, you know, so we live in a generation where it's gotten to the point that we, we, we take selfies. We, like, take photos of ourselves. And we put it on the worldwide interweb for everyone else to see and say, look at me. I'm amazing. I'm wearing this. I look like this. Um, and my worth is determined by how many likes or follows I can get. You know, can you see that the culture is just so different to what, what God, God talks about humility, you know, like um, people have self-help magazines, self-help books. You know, I can do this without anyone else. I can do this without God. Um, self-health, you know, I'm not going to listen to any other advice. I will, you know, do this myself. Um, Self-wealth, you know, leave your job, go do this, you know. Like if you, if, you, if you look at any stream, you know, I left my job seven years ago and I'm earning $5,000 a day, you know. You too can be that person, you know. Um, Self-actualization, you know, become a better, more spiritually conscious, aware person um, by yourself. Okay. Um, all of that equals selfish. Okay, so plus, plus, plus equals selfish. And that's not what, what God, God didn't design us that way. Okay. He said have self-control. Remember I spoke about those three social skills um, that character. So God designed us actually originally to be theocratic. I don't know if anyone's heard that word before. In other words, theocratic, you know, you get democratic, you get autocratic, and you get theocratic. In other words, God's in charge. And then the Israelites, as you know, said, eh, no, this doesn't God work for us. We need a king. So God said, Yo, be careful what you ask for because the king's going to be a tough taskmaster on you. You're going to pay, you know, you're gonna, that's where taxes come from, by the way, because now you need to support a government, you know. Now you've got tithes and taxes. No, sorry, that's just bad. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, so, so, so then we said, actually, no, you know what? We don't want to submit to you, Lord. We actually want a king. We want a, an earthly king that we can have. All the other nations have kings. We need a king. So we start saying, ah, we want to rule ourselves. Okay. The point is that is that we were designed to be under submission. Okay. Um, under submission to God. Um, now in the new plan, under submission to government and, and a king. Um, submission to each other. Um, which means that if we're in submission to each other, if we exercise self-control, we don't damage people around each other. We don't damage each other. Okay. So let's go to John, okay? Because in John it says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. So let, we've spoken about this. We say, you know, if you have self-control, you will build trust because you won't, you'll keep doing what God asks you to do, okay? And if you keep doing what God asks you to do, you stay in the lane with your hands on the wheel, okay? So says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, So, so Jesus hasn't died yet. He's actually talking to the disciples here. And he's actually talking here in, in John 16. He's talking about someone that's going to come and help them. He's going to give them a counselor, another, 
Who do you think that counselor is? It's the Holy Spirit. So, wasn't self-control a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Um, so Jesus is talking already before his part, you know, because Jesus later says to the disciples, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to send a helper who will stand beside you. So yeah, Jesus actually introduces this a little bit earlier before he's actually even died. So the concept of him dying is not even in the disciples' heads yet. And it's interesting, I've, I found in my little notes, um, the role of, of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. So, that, and when we looked in Revelation, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. So, self-control is underpinned by us hearing from God and hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying. Um, if you're on cruise control, you're not really listening to what God wants you to do. Um, you're giving yourself over to things that you shouldn't be doing. Or you're making decisions even practically in life that just aren't good ideas. Okay. What's interesting is when when I read this is it says that this 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 counselor will be will be beside us forever. And he actually says in verse eighteen, he says, I will not leave you orphans. So actually Jesus remains behind with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. So If Jesus has remained behind in the form of the Holy Spirit and we need to develop and grow to have the character of Jesus himself, this is a good good idea to listen to. This really is a good idea. Because staying in the lane is a very good thing. And all he's asking you to do is just obey his teaching. Because, you know, if you stick to all of those rules, let's call them rules, or guides, you stay in the middle of the road at 120 kilometers an hour. The thing, the thing about life is it's always 120 kilometers an hour. You're always going at 120 kilometers an hour. You can choose to drive the car and steer it, or you can go off the road. It never stops. You know, we'll leave here and something different will, will happen. And if you're not in the middle of the road, you're going to be in trouble. So, the point here is, if you are traveling at 120 kilometers an hour road, you never want to wake up and you're not on the road. That's damage control. Okay, so it's very important that we actually exercise this thing of self-control. So, in James, well, there's, there's two ways that you kind of exercise self-control. And let's talk more on the spiritual side. And I believe if you get the spiritual right, the physical things actually are right. Because they're so intertwined and so linked. Um, yes, when, when I was first got saved, there was this like, what does the Bible stand for? And it's basic instructions before leaving earth, you know. And uh, it was super cheesy. We also had the what would Jesus do, little bracelet and stuff like that. WW, what, JD. Um, and we had bumper stickers. We invented bumper stickers. Um, 
and you can't you can't deny that if you stick to these instructions, like it's going to be okay for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, people who don't stick to the instructions end up off the road, and back here. <laughs> you know what I mean. So so it's 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 a circle. <laughs> if you leave the road, you come back here. So he refers to two things in in the Bible. He refers to resisting temptation. Um, and I think this is where self-control really plays its part, you know, because resisting temptation is the part where you are actually kind of thinking this thing out in your head, right? Um, the Holy Spirit is is speaking to you and saying that you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. Um, the comfort is here; yeah, He's with us forever. You shouldn't be doing that. And this is where you are making that decision. You know, am I going to do this or not do this? Um, and actually, if you think about it, it's quite black and white. Just don't do it. But yet, yet we're here, sinners. Um, so in James four, let's let's look at James four, verse four to eight. And yeah, I think self-control actually has to draw a really solid line for you to understand, like what's on the right side of the line and what's on the wrong side of the line. St. James 4, it says, You adulterous people, you don't know what friendship with the world is. Sorry, let me start that again. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Okay, I'm just going to stop there. So, there are things in the world that you, you can't go to. You can't have one foot kind of like half in on something and another foot like kind of in church. You know, that is hand-off-the-wheel stuff. By this stage, you can hear the cat eyes. Cluck, 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 they're going. Because you've got one foot there. And God's like, well, self-control says, well, actually, I'm going to stay this side of the line. Um, because that side of the line is the start of, you know, avoiding cows on the side of the road. Um, and it's interesting. I, I'll give an example. There's, there's, there's varying versions of this, but um, my dad... Um, before he got saved, was an alcoholic. Um, and when he got saved, he was instantly, um, I want to say healed, but freed of alcoholism. Um, but his line for him was never, ever have another drink again. Never, ever have another drink again. Um, because of where he came from, you know. So, um, for that reason, Cindy and I don't don't drink. Um, I've tasted alcohol. I've got a line. I'll taste it. I'll, you know, like I, you know, wine is healthy for you. Take some for your stomach. So is water. Um, you know. So, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. Yes, you know. For me, drinking as an example, as a Christian, is is okay. The Bible doesn't say anything wrong about it. But where's the line? One, two, three, four. Cat eyes, cows. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. And uh, you know, I've never seen, never heard anyone say, "Yes, I had twelve beers and it was amazing last night." You know, there's always drama. There's always damage around you. Sometimes to yourself, sometimes to others. You know, so in that respect. The self-control example says, hey, man, it's, it's not wrong to drink, but I have 
this much. And there's the line. Self-control. Super easy. Why? Cat eyes, cows. You know, that's all you're going to remember. After the <laughs> um, and, you know, so, so, so there's the, that's an illustration of where your foot is in the world. Okay? So take anything and use that analogy. Anything. Let's think of another one. Um, this doesn't, this kind of like, it could be like a, a teaching, a belief. It's like, mm, you know, and you start saying, well, it's not quite what the Bible says, but you know, the Bible was written, you know, like thousands of years ago. And you know what? The world's moved on a little bit. You know, so maybe that's just a little bit old-fashioned, and this is actually okay. And you can hear the cat eyes, you know. Um, and it, I think use the model because you know everyone has their own version. I mean, my, you, you, my, the version of my dad is there's a solid line. No, but I mean, my dad would be he wouldn't have something if it had been cooked with alcohol, and that's where his line was. Other people are like, are you nuts? You know, like that's you are super super religious. But he'd drawn a line for himself, and I think everyone has to draw their line because you know you know where you're at. You know, some stuff is across the line before you even start. So, in the example of resisting temptation, so, you know, for me, there's, there's, there's resisting temptation, there's fleeing temptation. Resisting temptation is just correct. Fleeing temptation is take the next lane. This, this, this one's going in the wrong direction completely. Um, and for the first time, I actually spotted um, something which I'd never seen before. Um, so, just back to before I move to the, the fleeing temptation. So, resisting temptation in James 4. If you, if you just click one on for me. There we go. So, seven. Let's just finish up on resisting temptation. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, so, so when you are auto-correcting and you're fixing yourself, you're resisting that temptation and, you know, you've drawn your line. Self-control is there and you are... Moving on, the devil moves on. And that can be in beliefs, your lifestyle, friends. Who's ever heard, show me your friends, I'll show you your future? That's a line, eh? That's another line. So I'm friends with Chart, and Chart is super dodgy. I can use Chart because he's, he's not dodgy, and he's in our house most weeks. Chart's super dodgy, eh? He's got a different belief system to me. He's not a Christian. Um... I'm trying to get him to church. He's trying to get me to the bar or a jaw or something, you know. Um, little Levin always makes the whole batch of dough rise. Okay, I'm running out of words there. Um, my one foot is on this side of the line. The cat eyes are going. I'm with Chart, and I'm flirting with the fact that Chart's just, just – let's just go have one beer there, and then I'm there – and then both feet are on the other side of the line. And then it's the seven beer story with the cows coming at you. You know what I mean? So, so that, friends, is important. Um, friends also, like, why do you serve God? I mean, that's just such a bizarre concept, you know? Like, I don't believe in Jesus. You know? That's a line. That's your, that's your self-control line. You know what I mean? Okay? The next one. Even partners, when you're choosing partners. You know, if you can't flirt to convert. So that's another one from the 90s, you know what I mean? 
I'll get them to church, they'll get saved, and then we'll get married, and then God has chosen that person for me, you know. Um, I was very fortunate, Cindy and I were in the same church, and I found a wife that was godly, you know. That was my goal. I was in high school when I met Cindy, and I said to God when I was like, I don't know, like uh, 16, you know, Lord, my, my, my girlfriend that I had, I want to marry. She must be godly, and that's who I'm going to marry. So Cindy and I, we met in high school. I shared school since grade two together. She didn't notice me until I was playing in the first team rugby in Popular. So <laughs> she, was, she had standards, and she was very, very fussy um, and shallow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, I, but Cindy and I, Cindy and I started going out in matric, and I said, God, I want a godly woman. And that's who I, who I found was Cindy, you know. Um, it's important when you choose that, eh? Remember, like, you know, sometimes we make that so important to us that we're willing to cross the line to go and grab someone in the lane where the cows are coming at us and we're going to haul them back to get saved, you know? There's cows coming at you at 100 kilometers an hour. That's a bad idea. Wait for them to come to this side of the line and then date them, you know what I mean? <laughs> so the next one was, and it kind of refers to... Um, fleeing from temptation. And there's a couple of examples in the Bible where, where, where people flee from temptation. I've never seen this. I always just thought, like, you know, if the sin's really intense, just get out of there. You know what I mean? If it's really bad. I'm guessing you could argue, like, in the example of my dad, he just didn't even go there. There wasn't a resist. There's a flee from this one. Hey, guys, I've arrived here. This looks like this is going to go to a party. I'm a previous alcoholic. I can't be here. I've got to leave. I just never go to a place where I could get alcohol. Drug addict. Don't befriend your dealer. You know what I mean? Don't hang out with people that are using. You know, like, that, that, that's like extreme, you know. But the other one is actually where the Bible refers to sexual sin. And I've never seen it that I was just this flea. But he says in the one example, and I think it's in, well, I know it's in because I looked it up. Um, or did I? Maybe I didn't. Um, think of Joseph. So Joseph is in um, part of his house, and his wife fancied him, and she was like, "Okay." And that, that may have actually been okay in in that time. You don't, you don't know. I mean, it was a, it was like a pagan um, nation, Egypt, and. Uh, she tried to make a move on him, and he was like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm actually going to, the Bible says he took his cloak off and he ran. He fleed, you know. Um, and some, sometimes where you are in your space, and specifically in this space, um, you, you get out of there. You don't even, you don't even, there's no self-control required if you're not there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because self-control, I suppose, has its boundaries and limits for people, you know. In the case of my dad, like, he had no self-control with alcohol. He realized had to be out of there, you know, and that, and I think sexual sin kind of like has that, it's hard, because there's a physical response to that, you know, um, so you, 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 you get out of there. Um, I've used those two examples, so, and it's interesting, when he refers to sexual sin, he refers to that it is a sin against the body, you know, so, and he, and he, and he also says that, you know, you're, in the same scripture, he talks about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been saved. You've been made holy. And you're defiling your body in this space, you know. Um, and that was the first time I kind of saw that, wow, that 
he takes that a little bit more seriously. I mean, all sin is sin, but this one's quite serious. But I don't think it's you're in more trouble if you do a small sin or a, this big sin. You're in trouble. Um, I think what he's referring to is, hey, self-control has a limit. Get out of there, you know. You know, when you if anyone plays Call of Duty, you know you you land there and like everyone's decided to land in this one little town. It's hot. You get out of there. Because you know, no matter how good you are, you don't have the skills to take on that many people or things. All the aches in the front are going, yes, you know. <laughs> so I think in conclusion, is self-control is actively driving with your hands on the wheel. Okay? You stay in the lane, and there will be times that you're going to hear the cat eyes, and that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Okay? Listen. You as an ear, let him hear. Okay? Don't go to where the cows are coming you at 120 kilometers an hour. And the reason why we are developing self-control is Christian character. And we're being tested. You know, we you know, God's getting us into life and we're getting tested on how we handle that. What's the reward for being tested? Well, the reward is you live a life that has less chaos and drama in it. Um, God speaks to you more and more, and things that are important to you, that you value now because you have this character, like a calling of God, um, like a happy marriage, like a successful career or something in life, just goes a little smoother because you've actually kind of kept it sane, you know? Um, And everyone has a friend that hasn't. And you look at them like if only they could just meet Jesus and like, just like get a little bit of calmness in their life, you know. So we choose the lane, by the way. So, and you know when we when we get control over the sin, it underpins the lifestyle of holiness, and that's ultimately what we're trying to get to, right? That's what He's called us to. You get born again, you change your ways, you turn 180 degrees from the things that you were doing. And you do your best to do the things that he wants you to do. And, you know, basic instructions before you leave earth, right? So keeping on the highway avoids a sin. Self-control makes us pause. Wait a minute. Is that cat eyes that I hear? You've got to slow down. You've got to slow life down. Can I move at 120 k's an hour? Your first warning is the cat eyes. It allows us to listen. What are those cat eyes? Jesus, is this the right thing for me to be doing? Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. Listen. Sounds like a touch, pause, engage for those who enjoy rugby. Pause. Listen. Who has an ear? Let him hear. Consider. Now that I've heard, okay, my foot's across the line. This morning, there were people that came up that and I'm not judging anyone, but you, you realize that, that your foot was across the line in something. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit did. Convicted something and said, hey, I need to change. I need to be this side of the line. Well then, that was really good. An action. So now that you've considered, now I take action. Remember the yellow line and the cat eyes. You never want to be that side of the line. And then life is actually quite easy. 
if you just stay on this side of the line. So, what is our action this morning? And I think we, we started some action. That was quite excited, you know, because, you know, if God started doing something already, um, you're kind of in that space where people are responding and hearing God already. Amazing. So, give yourself a hand. You, you listened to the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, I don't mean to give yourself a hand. So, the question is, you know, you're going to be in a couple of places this morning, and that, the challenge, I've just created a lovely analogy for it, but the challenge that happened this morning for some people, this is the analogy in play to what happened this morning. So you can be in a couple of places. You're on the highway, 120 k's an hour, straight down the center, you're fine. Okay? You've learned a lot this morning, and you realize, hey, I need to stay on the highway. That's a good idea. Um, or you're in the yellow lines. You can start here some stuff. I mean, you've driven, you hear that yellow line. Eh? Did you know that cat tires were designed to make your tires make a noise so that you stay in the middle of the road if you fall asleep? Did you know that? There's a design that makes more noise. Remember when they started, they used to be smooth and round? And now they're terrible. They could, like, take out a bicycle tire. They're super sharp. They're designed to make a noise in real life. So that's even a better analogy now. Um, or the third one, you're out of control. You're dodging cows, eh? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever seen someone go off the road. Once you're off the road, there's like zero traction. Cars going sideways. You turn too fast because, I mean, you, you can't even self-right quickly. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, go slowly because I'm going to roll this thing, you know. Um, or maybe it's more subtle for you. You've taken your hands off, you know. So, like, you know, you're making coffee in the back like Merv. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, uh, I haven't taken this thing too seriously. And I'm just kind of like cruising. The thing about the Winnebago is, if it was sudden, Merv would have gone like, hands, ooh, let me chill, That's, that, that was a bad idea. That Winnebago actually tracked quite nicely on that road, because he got to the back to make coffee, you know what I mean? So he had some time, that thing was just cruising, maybe the road was straight, and it slowly started to drift. You know, like yeast, it slowly starts, you know. So, so if you're not, oops, that was close. So, you know, you, the, the, the fourth one is it's, it could be just quite subtle. You know, you just actually haven't decided to put your hand on the wheel, you know. And then every now and then you're like, oh, that was a cow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I mean? well, there's, I, oh, this tire, there's a problem with this car. It's making a terrible noise, you know. And when you ride in the middle of the road, it doesn't make the noise, you know. Um, three, so four places. So um, I think let's stand up and let's... Uh, Let's just let's just close the meeting and then uh, we don't need a. I think I think God's done work in worship, you know. But I think let's ask God to settle this in our heart. Um, you can put yourself into those four categories very easily where you think you're at, you know. Um, by the way, the fact that you can able to put those yourself into the four categories is kind of like the Holy Spirit working with you anyway. If anyone has a faith issue that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you. So, and the same is like when you, when you get born again. Do you think like, do you think that like feeling like I, I need to go up? Newsflash, you didn't come up with that on your own. Okay. God, Jesus is speaking to you when that happens, you know. Um, and sometimes we like, we, we intellectualize when God's speaking to us because we think we're in charge, right? We think we are the ones in charge. Um, Jesus is in charge. 
And the easiest place to listen to the Holy Spirit and Jesus is when you have that thought, don't doubt it, go with it. You can't mess that up normally. I've, I've never seen anyone mess up a salvation, you know what I mean? I've never seen anyone mess up a, a call to the front, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't have gone up. It wasn't for me this morning, you know. Um, you know, God, you know, that's Jesus speaking to you. Um, if you ever had doubt that the Holy Spirit doesn't really convict you of things. So you're in uh, one, two, three, four categories. Um, you know where that's at. Um, there's there's no one in here that isn't in a different category, by the way. So I'm, I'm very clever um, from the speaker to make sure that you're all in the category. <laughs> um, God's dealt with us this morning in worship already. Um, but I think, let, let's, let's pray. And I think if there's anyone that really feels like, man, I actually should have... You know, I, 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 there were people in the front. I know now that God was speaking to me. Maybe I should come to the front again or, or at least come to the front. Um, while I'm praying now, just come to the front. We'll grab some people to pray for you. It's not a biggie. Eh? Everyone, everyone leaves the lane sometime, you know. Um, so let's pray. And so, Lord, we just, we just thank you that you love us. You want us to be more like you. You love us like your children. You recognize that we don't always get it right. You know that our hearts aren't evil, and the only way to you is through you. And Jesus, this morning we we recognize the same. We we haven't got it all right. We don't get self-control right. We don't get our character right. We mess things up. But, Lord, we know that you're faithful and you're gracious to forgive us for, for things that we do. As, as long as we come before you and say we're sorry, Lord. And this morning we, across the room, have various versions of, of where we've not done things to how you want to. Like your word says you love me, you obey your commands. Lord, we, we, want to, we want to tell you that we do love you. And we want to obey your commandments. And we want to, we want to just honor you in our lives and our character and our nature. And this, this morning we just ask that as we... As we come before you, we say, Lord, we, we're sorry for, for where we have not exercised self-control. And we have let sin overcome us, Lord. We, we're sorry for that, Lord. Um, and, Lord, we just ask that you'd forgive us and that you would uh, implant in us that voice, that imprint that voice, Lord, that we don't doubt that we're not hearing you, that we hear you all the time and we respond. Because it's good for us. It's very, very good for us if we listen to you. Let me just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.